Welcome back, basketball enthusiasts, to the Box Out Boys, where the court becomes our stage and the rhythm of the game sets the tone for every episode. I'm your co-host, Skylar Reesberg, your guide through the highs and lows and buzzer-beating moments of college basketball. And I'm joined here with my fellow co-host, Spencer Clark. So join us as we celebrate the passion that makes college basketball more than just a game. Get ready for an engaging ride through the Hoops universe on the Box Out Boys. Here we go. Back outside, boys, toting a 70 on the strip, I'm ready to die. Cutting the trash and bed in the corner, bet I make shit glide. Try to bring the drive, tell me he ain't know how we cha-cha slide. I'll never lose sleep over no bitch, way too much pride. Fill it up in a briefcase, split the shit with the vibe. Love that. Okay. So, Spencer, we had some, you know, per usual, this non-conference has been pretty crazy these last couple weeks. I feel like we've been pretty blessed with the slate of games that we've got this Friday or last Friday, sorry, December 16th, December 15th, we had UConn and Gonzaga showdown against each other. We touched on it a little bit last podcast, you know, just gave our thoughts and I would say it kind of played out as expected. To be honest, you know, uh, what were your thoughts on that game? I mean, we had UConn win 76-63. They kind of big dicked Zaga at home. It was a neutral court, but it was still in Seattle. UConn came in and with their three-headed monster just kind of dissected uh, Zaga. Yeah, I mean, I UConn's really good. I think that if I had to bet on someone to win it all right now, I think I've said it before, I'd bet them. They won by 13 against Gonzaga. Obviously, they're led by Klingon. He's seven foot, moves smooth. He's a smooth basketball player. But, like, uh, they have guys on their bench that are going to be top 10 picks or that are scoring in single digits, and they're still winning by 13 points. This is such a deep team that I don't know. I, I'm not shocked they won by 13 at all. I really still can't believe they went into KU and lost. They almost won. Just as impressive. Yeah, they barely, barely got a, barely escaped uh, with a loss there at KU. But coming in here, playing against Gonzaga, uh, I I don't think we have been too hard of believers on them. Obviously, you know, we got to keep bringing this up. Uh, Ryan Emhart is our boy. Maybe, maybe just my boy. And I, I thought for Gonzaga, he was their second leading scorer, 15 points. I thought he showed up there on a national stage for the most part. But this just showed the tiers that there are to college basketball. A great point bringing up a future. I would love to talk about futures for the national championship, but great point bringing up that. Uh, UConn's just kind of in a tier of their own, you know? Gonzaga couldn't really hang. I mean, it, it felt close. At, it, it never felt close, but it was close score-wise at certain moments but then all it took was a, a Klingon layup or a Cam Spencer three uh Tristan Newton three and then the, the boys were back I mean this was the out of 27 non-conference games that UConn's played this was their 22nd consecutive not consecutive but 22nd win uh by double digits so Dan Hurley is dictating that team to another national championship they're still playing all time. I can't wait to see them in the conference when we get there. We're almost there. But I think people wanted this game to be closer than it was just because it was the only marquee matchup. I was reading a lot about these two teams before, and it, the way I was reading, it sounded like Gonzaga was a group of all-stars. 
They're not a group of all-stars. They are a solid team for sure, but they get exposed when they play a tier team one like UConn. That's what we yeah. saw. I, I think that's right. They're asking Nemhard to play 40 minutes, play in a full game. Um, I feel like that's a recipe for disaster. Even before conference play starts, you're playing your best guys 40 minutes, 39 minutes, 37 minutes a game. It's not going to work out well. Um, yeah, Hurley runs UConn. I think I'd rather go to boot camp during the summer in Georgia for the military than go play a season of basketball with him. I think my body would never be the same. I don't think your mind would either. I think he would project you into being the, I I don't know if it's best version of yourself, but best version of yourself physically, maybe not mentally. I don't think anybody's ever really in a good headspace under Dan Hurley. Just watch him on the sidelines. He's always so animated and just screaming. And his mouth is so much bigger than you'd think it would be. So much bigger than the average person's mouth. And he lets a lot come out of it. So, Dictator Dan, hats off to you. Uh, You continue to kill it. We're very excited to continue to see you go. Uh, But we can't leave this game without giving a a little shout-out to senior Hassan Diara. Coming off the bench for UConn was running up and down the court. I thought he gave him valuable minutes uh, when Caravan, Spencer, Klingon, or, or Tristan were sitting. And, I mean, this just confirmed, I think, for us more that UConn is still that dominant team. Yeah, is he your hus- he's your hustle guy of the week? Yeah. Dude, he – okay, I could stand corrected, but he might be the hustle guy of the week. Nobody's con- competing against him at this time, so – Hassan Diara, you are the hustle guy of the week. Way to go, senior. <laughs> a well-deserved clap, honestly. That's exciting for him. Thank you, Hassan. But it didn't stop there. We had, on Saturday, Arizona-Purdue. This game was in Indianapolis, Indiana. So it was more of a home game for Purdue. Arizona's been talked about as being this top dog, number one team. You know, we've said it. They're one of the most complete teams. Definitely put them in that tier one of college basketball teams right now. You know, regardless of their loss in the March Madness tournament last year, we're we're still believers. But they came out, and both teams came out, and they they were shooting their guns. This game started off like a horse race, like a a 100-meter horse race. These guys were just putting up shots, making everything. Edie seemed to be a little contained, but getting his own. But the highlight of the game wasn't Edie. I'd say it was his cast. They proved that they weren't one-dimensional, you know, and, and they definitely have shown that in the past. Not that I like to watch Purdue games, but when I do, there's times when they look one-dimensional a little with just Edie because maybe that's all they need. And then today, Saturday, they were able to elevate it a little, become a, a little three-headed snake with Got Fletcher Lawyer, Brady, and then Edie. I mean, they all got their own. They all helped out when they needed to in the game. And honestly, Arizona put together a great performance, but they didn't have an answer to stop that firepower. And I, I think that was kind of the the end result in the game. Yeah, I would have to agree. I think Zach Edie almost kind of got slowed down a little bit, which I figured he would just because Arizona's a big team. But he still had 22-9. and nine. I mean, that's like an off night for him. Not even an off night. He still played well. But, like, at this point, you're just used to seeing him go for 35 and 13. So, when he doesn't, you're like, yeah, wow, this is good. Uh, Braden Smith, 
might be one of the best. Got like a very Aaron Craft game. He also just looks country as fuck. Like if you just look <laughs> at him, he just looks country as fuck. But he's really good. Sophomore guard. Um, they love their white boys. He's gritty. He's gritty, man. So no, I was I was actually excited to watch Purdue. To be honest, you know, every time we talk about them, rightfully so, they they have awful colors, and for some reason, they just don't attract and they don't create an attractive team. So they're never fun to watch. It's always just like, well, it's a good product that put that's put out there, but it is just the most poorly designed thing. So you just always want to overlook it. You know, when you're walking through the the mall, you're walking through a CVS. There's probably a great generic product there. Probably works really well, but because it's generic, it probably doesn't look that sexy. You want to go for the, you want to go for the little higher brand. You're like, well, I know that. I like that. I got money now. I'm gonna spend it on that attractive brand. Purdue is the opposite of that. They are that generic, gross brand, but they're putting up points. They just beat the number one team in the country. They're number one now. Do you think they're in trouble being number one? No. Not, not with Big Ten play starting. I think they'll be just fine. That's... Okay, fair. You think they make it to Big Ten play without losing? What do they have? Yeah. Probably one yeah, game. I think they do. I'm going to guess they do. Okay. You were right, though. Purdue has a gross brand. Like, everything about them is gross. Their color scheme, their logos. They're like, they're the Boilermakers, which is a train. But it's just like the most <laughs> boring name. Actually, Boilermaker. It's kind of cool. But it doesn't work as a mascot. There's things that work and there's things that don't. I think it's really cool when you think about it, like you just did really hard, but it is not that cool when, you, when you're when you just saying Boilermaker and you don't know what it is, so you just put it off. You don't even try to dissect what that word is. You're just like Boilermaker. And that, that mascot doesn't give you, like being a Boilermaker, it's not like you can have a fun colors. Like you have pretty much have to be the colors you are. What is their mascot? A train? I believe so. <laughs> is it? How does that not make ESPN more? How is that not being shown to us? Because that might liven up Purdue. That might be like, okay, hey, those are the class. Like that might put them on par with Detroit. Like those are tough working nine to fivers down there. You know, they're just hauling coal. Just you know, people think train is a dead form of transportation. These guys are showing you why we need it, and they're getting it done. It's not pretty, but it's gritty. So I think I, ESPN should show that more. Maybe so. Show more of your train side. Show more of your train side. Yeah, why is that not on – why is that not a logo for them? It's just that gross P. Yeah. It's a gross-looking P. <laughs> it's not great. But, like, they just have a terrible color scheme. Their color scheme is mm-hmm. brown and black. And then even in their own state, there's there's definitely a lot of fandom for Purdue because Indiana is live, die basketball, death taxes basketball, all the above. That is, they love basketball there. But, I mean, they're competing with Indiana, who some would say is a blue blood. I would not, nor would I ever, but some people say that. And that just speaks to the amount of fandom there. Even when they have down years, those stadiums are still sold out. What's your, they just don't have your, anything going for them. What's your, criteria, what's your criteria for a blue blood? I think Indiana's probably a college basketball blue blood. I think there's levels to the blue blood if we're really dissecting it. But I think my criteria is just, you know, one, I think, I don't say it out loud, but subconsciously, 
I, I think your team's kind of got to have that blue as a part of their colors. I think that's where the term came from. I know that's stupid. That was a bad first point to bring up, but it's a point nonetheless. I think you also have to have to have rich, rich, rich history going back to the creation of basketball. Going back to the yep. creation. Going back to the creation. You don't think? I think Indiana's got goes back a long ways. Indiana goes back to some days where I don't know what was going on, but they were good. Oh, I think that says a lot. If we don't know what was going on, then that sounded like it was probably a long time ago. But that's how Blue Bloods were born, right? Think of Bobby Knight. See, I think Indiana, now that you're bringing this up, Bob Knight is one of the most beloved, not beloved, but um, respected just coaches, not not person. Uh, R.I.P. Bob Knight. I think he just died this year. So uh, send one up. Hopefully you're throwing chairs up there in heaven or throwing chairs down there, you know, just having a good time wherever. But I I think when I think of Blue Bloods, I think of your KU, your Duke, your North Carolina, and and your Kentucky. Yeah, those are all Blue Bloods to me. And I think Kansas is – all the blue teams, the teams UCLA. we hate. No, I don't, I don't put UCLA in there. Really? No, even with the so 10 you, So you don't put UCLA or Indiana in there? No, I think they're a tier two. I just think, so if we go back, if we're, if we're just talking the history here, we got Naismith, who created basketball at KU. You know, supposedly. Fair. This was, this was pre-1900, so I, I don't know. Are, are the facts accurate? I, I believe what I believe, and Naismith created basketball at Kansas, and then from there he was coaching there. Fun fact: was the only Kansas coach to this day uh, with multiple losing seasons for them. Which is kind of funny. Creates the game, doesn't know how to play it. I guess gets out out coached. How do you get out coached at a game that you create? Well, so what I think used to happen is I think he would tell his team what to do and give them a formula but basketball is not what basketball then wasn't what it is today and and i don't know if the coaches would always go to the games so he's not there like making adjustments or anything i don't even know if that was a thing he would like tell his team what to do they'd go out there and then you know maybe the other team brought their coach and they're outclassing them or they're they're making adjustments and so ku gets is beaten because they got their game plan, but their coach didn't come with them, so they can't make any adjustments. You, but that's that's neither here nor there. Is that fact? Sometimes the coaches just wouldn't go. Yeah, maybe. I think so. I think I remember reading about that. Oh my god! But I had no idea that coaching wasn't allowed in game till 1949. Oh shit! Okay, see that—that's the rule. Yeah, I was just so you were spot on about him not being there. So I guess we were spot on. So they yeah, no they, they just didn't know how to follow a game plan maybe. But regardless, the God. invention of basketball at KU, uh, throughout time we have these coaches that – there's KU coaches that have gone to North Carolina, so the tree spreads there. That's that blue bloodness. Uh, I, I'm not sure – I can't off the top of my head think of why Kentucky has the case. I know they're a blue blood. Maybe. But it's this like – it's this all the, the – Family coaching tree, the family players, um, just how early they were involved in the sport. All these things makes Kentucky, North Carolina, Kansas. I say Kentucky. Those four teams, Blue Bloods. Yeah. Kentucky. Kentucky was big during the Adolph Rupp era. If you've ever, you've seen Glory Road. 
They're like the, they're the juggernaut in that era. Of course. And then, then they currently they have Coach Cal. Of course. Mobster. Maybe the mobster of college basketball. Just the swagster. Always channeling his 2001 soldier boy. Yeah, I mean, on this note, so I, I think we'll come back and we'll, we'll talk more blue blood, what makes a blue blood. Maybe create yeah. some tears of blue bloods. Or, we'll dedicate a whole episode to it. Yeah, make your case. But if anyone was interested, those were mine. Quickly recapping this uh, Purdue game. You know, we talked about these stars here. Caleb Love dropped 29 points. Arizona balled out. At the end of the day, they were just outgunned. Couldn't contain the three-headed snake. But fun fact here, this was Purdue's first win against the number one team since November 25th, 2000. Which was also played in Indianapolis. Really? So it's just a circle. It all comes back I th- around. I think if Caleb Love... If that Arizona team dominates in Pac-12 play, I would be shocked if he wins the Wooden Award at the end of the year. Dude, is that Player of the Year? Yeah. Over Edie? I wouldn't be shocked. I guess it depends how Lawyer and Braden Smith keep playing. I, but yeah, interesting point. I love to talk about people that are going to win the National Player of the Year over Zach Eady because he seems like he really has it locked in. I don't know if this game helps him, but I know it. I don't think it hurts him. Uh, Edie? Probably a case to be made there. Edie, yeah. I don't think 22 and 9 and a win over the number 14 in the nation hurts you. I don't think it can, or the number one team. Yeah, I don't think it hurts you. I don't think it hurts you. No, I think that would be. <laughs> but moving on, we had a lot of really. We had so many good games on Saturday. Jesus Christ. I tuned in hard to the Kansas-Indiana game. Really started feeling our banter from last week, thinking KU was going to upset, or Indiana was going to upset KU at India or at Assembly Hall. And holy shit, they almost did. And now, we'll just fly through this one, but you you never know on the road is what we were saying. And this came down to it. This Indiana team, I think, put their best performance, the best they could play, on the court that day, they were absolutely dominating Kansas, it looked like. First half, it looked like Indiana was going to run away with it. The amount of energy in that stadium was comparable to any of the greatest courts in college basketball. Right up there with Hilton, right up there with Alan Fogg, uh, right up there with Butler's Hinkle Fieldhouse. Just all these great Rutgers Arena just where the energy flows, I could feel the energy through my TV. I thought I was solely bought in. Hey, you don't agree on Rutgers, okay? Solely bought in on Indiana getting this upset. And then, I mean, what we saw is we saw KU, the experience, come out. The experience and a seven-footer that they have. And as a, as a team, they just absolutely dominated. Dewan Harris and Bill Self, Bill Self specifically, with with – with them together, they have been so good at creating these comebacks when they're down 10, 15, away, on the road, and they just find a way to come back and win. It, it blew my mind, but it, it wasn't even any one Kansas player specifically. They all balled out and just did enough to beat this Indiana team 75-71. So shout-out KU. I, th- I think they won the week. For me personally, I think there's definitely other cases to be made, but 
I mean, number two, Kansas going on the going on the road. That was impressive to see him get the win. Yeah, I agree. McCuller had twenty one six four, kind of filled it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll be a good team. Big Twelve is going to be tough for everyone, so we'll see how they come out in that. Circling back, when you were naming best college basketball venues, did you your last one was Rutgers? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I was kind of running out of ideas at the end, and I know Rutgers is always good at homes. Go good at home. I don't know how good their like fandom and, and energy is at the arena, but I know they play better at that Jersey Mike's arena. Okay. Hey. So I had to credit it to something other than just the arena. I like to think in Rutgers, they're just getting lit out there, just freaking out. Jersey Mike's being the official sponsor of the Rutgers. <laughs> dude. The Rutgers Stadium is the most New Jersey thing of all time. That's got to be <laughs> – it really is. That's got to be some good mojo for them. You know, just repping – they're repping local at their arena. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the most fucking New Jersey thing of all time. Um, talking games. I feel the need yep. to – I put in multiple group chats. Uh, Baylor minus two and a half is the steal of the day. I even persuaded some people to take it minus 10. Oh. So, this, so this is my formal apology. Um, I really have no answers for what happened there. I truly have nothing to say. Don't know. Get it out there. That just doesn't feel like a Scott Drew game. Doesn't feel like one they usually lose. Apology, apology heard and hopefully accepted by fans, if not now, down the road. You know, find it in your heart. It is the Christmas season, time of giving. You know, Spencer, uh, my co-host here, he was just trying to give in the holiday spirit. Correct. And you know what? I, I don't think this is film that Baylor should really come back to. This is kind of that throwaway, who knows what the fuck happened. They went in there and got dominated. It was never a game. At one point, it was like 20-something to 9, and it was like at the beginning of the first. The game fell over immediately for some reason. And last week, we were saying, I was saying, MSU sucks. We're going to fade them. We're not going to buy into them basically until February when March comes around. But I guess this team's going to have their moments. You know, they're definitely going to have their not moments because following this game yesterday, they played Oakland. In a tight one. So that just yeah. speaks to the uh, – this team's just jumping all over the place. They're so up and down. You don't know which Tyson Walker, which A.J. Hogard you're going to get. So we do stand corrected here, though. Michigan State beat the shit out of Baylor. Baylor's going to be fine. Maybe this was the case of them being undefeated, their first true road game, and, you know, the nerves were there. They didn't have it in them to play. Uh, Jacoby – who knows? I think they'll figure it out, though. I do have to say about this game, it was so out of hand. I got to say this. Steven Izzo, Tom Izzo's son, got in the game. This pissed me the fuck off. I was happily watching this game. Just like, oh, they're running it up here. They're running the score up. And through the most ill-advised live bet on this game, we're not a betting show, but I will talk about my bad Get this beats. one out. Get this one out. <laughs> They're up 24. The line is, I got it at minus 25. And so I'm like, this will be fine. This will be fine. Oh, no, sorry. Excuse me. They're up 28. Steven Izzo comes into the game. Starts off pretty hot, you know, strips the ball. uh, 
passes it off, and then I think they pass it back to him. He gets fouled. I don't think he was shooting, but they're in the bonus, so he takes free throws. He misses them both. Misses both free throws. The stadium was ready to erupt for Tom Izzo's son, Steven, and he let everyone down. Just missed both free throws. It probably airballed one. And then after that sequence of events, they inbounded the ball, went out of bounds. They inbound the ball, Baylor does, and – there's like 30 seconds left in the game. I have four points to go with. I am feeling so good. Steven Izzo immediately fouls the the inbounder just out of nowhere. Gets a talking to from the sidelines from his dad. His dad's saying, you don't need a foul. What are you doing, Steven? Steven says, I'm just doing me. And I'm getting caught up in this, this excitement that everyone, people are cheering every time I touch the ball, dad. I got to try to steal it. He looked like a kid that was just allowed to come into the game at the end because they were up so much. They're like, dude, we'll, we'll let you go in, Steven. Yeah. Oh, you just happen to be the coach's son, too. Okay. And from that point on, Baylor just starts to score points. I blame this all on Steven Izzo. He had some good moments, sure. But he had a lot of bad moments. Uh, and ended up losing the bet. They they won by 24, so it's lost by half a point. You know, that, that happens, and... You know, if you need help, call 1-800-GAMBLERS. But this is a point about, I hate to use the word nepotism. I think it's overused in the world, but I think it's also very valid. There is a lot of nepotism going around. Your son doesn't need to be playing college basketball. Tom, I think it's awesome that he is. I think it's awesome that you have that influence and power too. But the man is a walking 50-year-old, ready to be bald at any second. He has no room to be out there. This is people's lives at stake. You know, you did good enough. You beat the shit out of Baylor. Did you really need to put your son in the game to flex on him like that? It feels a little cocky. Um, yeah. Yeah, so Steven Izzo is a grad student. This is his fifth year on the college, on the team. He is 5'8", 150 pounds. <laughs> like, like with, with a love and respect, this dude would not come – to the YMCA I play basketball at and score. You know, Steven, obviously we're fans of the game, and I do appreciate what's going on here. I think I'm just hurt of what you did, of what you did and what you caused me. I'm rooting for you. I want you to be – I want you to have a great season. Uh, but you got to be better than this, man. There, There's nothing more shameless than college coaches – with letting their letting their kids get a jersey, Go oh, the bench. Every college coach does it. It's I mean, we got the Hardaways, McCaffrey. There's oh, quite a few players in there. I mean, we could go everybody. on. Not even just yeah. in college football, too. Yeah, you don't hear about those ones as much unless they're balling. Unless they're balling, but it, it I can't. It happens all the time. Like you and me are just a dad being a college basketball coach away from being D1 athletes. I mean, when you put it like that, I would love for my son to come to Iowa State as I'm the head coach and play for me. Yeah. Is it ethical? Nah, I don't you, think we got a problem. If, if I filled the roster out well and he's the last guy and, you know. Are you fielding the best team for your university? No. No, am you're I not at all, dude. Am I being a hater right now about it or am I – I don't know. I probably no, no. You're too. speaking facts, dude. No, we're coming full circle again. I was apologizing. I'm done with that. Stephen Izzo should not be in college basketball. That was horrendous to watch. And I, if I ever have to watch it again, 
you know, I'll have my eyes glued to the TV for as much as I hate it. Uh, it is entertaining. You're like, who is this guy out here? How do you get on the court? If you don't know he's Izzo's son, you, you are so confused. It's like watching a white guy in the NFL and being like, maybe, but this is like 10,000 times closer because you're like, actually, I think I'm, I might be better. Yeah, fair. <laughs> if that makes any sense. No, so it makes Michigan, all the sense. Michigan State on the rebound, whatever. Yeah, we'll see how they hold up. I mean, they just played a close game with Oakland. I mean, uh, sure, Oakland has good games against mid-majors, uh, not power five teams, but this is a game they should have handily won. You know, maybe they were riding that momentum a little too high. Maybe they parted a little too hard after the win, but uh, not impressed. So you're just we're just going to get a lot of up and down from Michigan State this year. It's going to be very confusing and hard to predict how, what energy they're going to bring. This was a desperate win that they needed. They played a, a hard non-conference. They, they played some good teams for the most part, and they just lost them all. So this was kind of do or die. Their backs were against the wall. Didn't expect them to come out there and blow out Baylor, though. So props out to Tyson Walker. Props out to A.J. Elgard. They look good. But, you know, keep it up, guys. You know, we also had UNC Kentucky. Yeah. Matchup of our Blue Bloods here. You know, we were, we were leaning UNC last weekend, but Kentucky – came out with just too much athleticism. Armando Baycott does not look like the super I'm senior. I'm sick of him. Yeah. That he should be. He just doesn't. He was Good supposed job. to be kind of like their key to win the game. I mean, points in the paint against this Kentucky team would have been huge because they're so athletic. They were moving so fast. It just looked like UNC didn't have an answer for all that athleticism. RJ Davis, though. That man balls. Still good. The thing that shocked me most was the Kentucky freshmen are really good. The freshmen in college this year were born in like 05, 2005, 2006. Always weird to think about. Like, I have memories. I know, I remember stuff I was doing in 2005, 2006. I mean, that's a team with two or three lottery picks. Yeah. 2005, how old are you? These kids are not even 21. These kids aren't even 21. Holy shit. No. These kids are like 18, 19. We're, we're like almost 20 years older than these kids. Some of these kids playing basketball right now. Oh, my God. Wait, no, that's not right. No, that's, no, not 20 years at all. incredibly terrible math. But we are significantly Eight. older. We're, we're almost 10 years older than we're, we're almost there. 10. I think 10 was the number I was looking for there. But I've been hey. taking a math class since college. Yeah, my math classes in college, I was taking, like, stats and just whatever I needed to to pass. Just enough. Correct, correct. Um, we got two other ones. Houston finally played someone good. They played mm-hmm. A&M. Um, shout out Wade Taylor, 34 points, SEC player of the year. Book it. But Houston Book got it. a good win. Houston got a good win. You think this game kind of speaks to you for Texas A&M and the SEC? Because Kentucky needs a challenger. They'll have yeah. Tennessee. Texas A&M's up there, but we don't know how. We haven't been able to gauge how strong they're going to be. They've been better than Michigan State, but they've been inconsistent as yeah. well. I mean, 7-4 and four feels like they haven't won some of their bigger games. They beat, obviously, us, which we live with. But uh, I don't know. I thought this was a good win for Houston. Houston needed one to kind of prove they're for real. Winning by four points, though. Play. I know LJ Cryer's the man. 
But, I mean, does this kind of give you pause on that Houston team only coming away with a win by four? Or are you just maintaining you're happy that they finally got the win? I'm happy they got the win. Um, Cause for concern. I don't know. I feel like the first month of the season is pretty hectic. So Mm -hmm. by the time you get to this point of this point of the season before the break, and then you come back and you get on more of a consistent schedule where you're playing two, two, three games a week, rather than maybe a game on Monday, a game on Saturday, uh, more consistent routine in the second part, half of the season. So I'm not too concerned in a long answer. You're right. Yeah. I'm just trying to pick the brain, see if anything stands out. Cause I'm, I'm sold on this Houston team. I am, but I, but I do have hesitance, you know. I'm just excited to see them in the Big 12 this year. So as we get closer to conference play, as we are, uh, a lot to look forward to with Houston. Freaking, I love that they have LJ Cryer. That man's just fun to watch. Catalyst for their offense. He's awesome. He, All right. Last yeah, game we should recap. Sorry, what'd you say? Him and I loved Adam Flagler, too. No, oh, I got no, that, nothing against that, Flagler. That big Baylor team was fun. All right, what do you, what game do you want to talk about? It do I think I know it? I think you know it because it in, involves our team, it involves our boys. We were hyping up last weekend, and they came it. here and they got it done in a sketchy situation. They were at home, but we're talking. It was number thirteen, Clemson, at undefeated. Memphis. They were undefeated. Uh, the Memphis boys have been rolling for us. Davis, Quinterly, they have been looking good. You know, always playing tight games. And testament to this, they won 79-77, and they just are gritty. They get it done. I'd like to see them win by more, but I think this Clemson team's good. They'll be a challenger in the ACC, and I think they caught them at a hot time. I think Clemson did good on the road, but Memphis got it done. Coming off a win against number one, Texas A&M, number 21, Texas A&M, and they're finally ranked now. Finally ranked 23, and they're blowing the doors off Virginia today while we're recording. I think they're I think they're a legitimate team. We were talking about Quinn early earlier. He's mm-hmm. feels like he's been around forever, but it's good to have that older guy on your team. Um, we'll be serious. I'll be curious to see with the new transfer stuff if the Kansas State transfer Tomlin gets some playing time, or when they start to plug in him in. They might wait till after Christmas at this point, but they're an exciting team. We said it last week. I think you're right about, yeah, I would really like to see K-State transfer, get some minutes before conference play, because otherwise it'll be a slow process, and we probably won't really be seeing him get consistent minutes if he does fill in a spot and earns a, a spot in the starting five until February, which is fine because this Memphis team, they're old, they're gritty, they're experienced. I think I'd just like to see him win by a few more points. But Memphis, we love you. We're still rolling with you. The thing that blows my mind about Memphis right now, and this is just due to their conference, I don't think they play a team at this time, at this moment right now, a ranked team until February 25th when they play FAU. So they're going to have a long stretch. They could hope, hey, if they keep racking up wins, I think we feel really good about this Memphis team's I think they're going to take a few L's. That's just how it goes. But if they keep racking up wins, who knows how high up in the rankings they go. Not that that really means anything, but we're rooting for you, boys. We're rooting for you. Quinterly, Davis, keep it going. Always good to go get momentum. I mean, And they're building it right now. They're building it right now. They look good. 
Um, that's that's our recap for the week. Let me run some of the big ones by you and just get your thoughts on them. All right. Okay. Tomorrow night we have Duke and Baylor at Madison Square Garden. Got Duke Bounce and Baylor. Bounce back, mm. Bounce back big game for Baylor, big time. This Duke team is still showing us they're a little soft. I think they're a little loved by the uh, whoever votes in the AP. I think they're a little loved by them. They, you know, they had that blue blood brand on them, so they're just gonna get uh, a little more benefit given to them by people. I think they're still a little soft, so gotta go Baylor in a big bounce back game. If Duke wins, though, huge, huge win for Duke. We can start believing in Filipowski and the rest of the team a little more. But you know, right now, John Shire's got some work to do with the boys. Yeah, I agree. I think I think a bounce back game for Baylor. I'd even maybe take on minus ten. Um, just back to back games. I mean, I gotta be right at some point about it. Uh, that's an <laughs> interesting. That's an interesting game to have at Madison Square Garden. Like. Is there a ton of Baylor fans in no. New York? Like, no, do they sell that it... out? Do, do Duke fans alone sell that out? Does that sell out? I don't. I can't imagine that kind of venue for that game. I think a Madison Square Garden game always has to sell out. You'll get your your you'll get your casuals coming in, but yeah, definitely a good amount of Duke fans there. I think Baylor travels well, but. Do they travel that well? I, I don't know. I don't know. So, I don't know. That was just the thought I had about it. I thought it was a strange place. Um, That's a good game. point. It could be a little more Duke-heavy crowd, if we're being honest. Yeah, I think – I can't imagine Duke plays a ton of neutral site games where they aren't, like, heavy on – the crowd's heavy on Duke favor. No, that fan base has to roll. They're they everywhere. Have to just, yeah, they're everywhere. Those Cameron crazies. All right, Carolina, bounce back game maybe, but they're playing a they're playing a really good Oklahoma team. Ooh, this is gonna be a good game. Sadly, because I am invested in Oklahoma right now, nobody would have predicted they'd be top ten, let alone I think number seven in this AP poll. Undefeated. Blows my mind, but that's what happens when you don't win or when you just don't lose games. And I want to give it to Oklahoma. I hope they pull it off. I'll be rooting for them. But just like we're talking about with Baylor, it kind of feels like UNC spot here uh, that they're going to take away. Really? Yeah, they just lost a close one to Kentucky. They have the pieces there. And I just think nobody expected this Oklahoma team to keep winning like this. They're, they're kind of due for a loss, unfortunately. And... I think it'll drop them a little bit in the poll, but I think it'll make them hungry for conference time and make them a more dangerous opponent. Either way, I'm glad this matchup's happening. Also, I think this is the Jumpman Classic or something. So North Carolina, Michael Jordan, kind of field in the air there. Something's going on. Yep, it's being played in Charlotte. That all makes a ton of sense. And then, listen, we're light on games. We're going to be real with you guys. Light on games this week, light on games next week. So you're going to have to get your fix elsewhere. Bowl season here, NFL season here. John Morant's back tonight for those of you that like John Morant. But Saturday, our last good game for a while, Arizona against Florida Atlantic. How mm. much does Arizona win by? Yeah, I'm glad you presented it that way because, like we've been saying, uh, this FAU team, they will beat the shit out of mid-majors. They've shown us they are they're pretty dominant in that arena. When it comes to elevated competition, I mean, impressive 
performance against Illinois still fell short by about nine or ten points. I'm expecting Arizona to be pretty angry about their their loss, you know, wanting to come back hard. I mean, that team already looks like they're angry all the time. And if Caleb Love keeps playing the way he's going to play, this this is an FAU team that's going to lose by 10 to 20. Yeah, like like you said all episode, there's tears to this. There's and, tears to this. And Florida Atlantic's a fun story. They got good players. They're a good team. But there's tears to this. Yeah, they'll, they'll win some games. They, they'll make March Madness. And, hey, I hope they do make a run. That's a fun story. But in all honesty – uh, that could happen, you know, with their with their experience that they have. But I, I just – I think they hit magic last year, and I, I think they deserve the respect they're getting. I just – there's tears to this. That's a – this is my – this is a prediction. That's a three to four seed that gets upset first round in March. FAU? Yeah. Damn, that'd be a sad story. You'd hate for those seniors to go out that way. I think they had a transfer from a good school too. I'm forgetting, but they were all—they're all bought in. They believe they're really good, and I think that confidence will take them places. I hope they play a closer game to Arizona than we think. I have no idea what that line will be, but I feel like it will be egregious and disrespectful to FAU. I hope we see something from them here, but this is just a spot for Arizona to really put it on FAU before conference season starts. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. I think it's a great tune-up game. And I hate that I'm returning to FAU as a tune-up team, but it's what it feels like a little bit. FAU, let us give you respect. You know, I, I got a little respect after that Illinois game, but if you can do the same thing against Arizona, hey, might start changing our tune. Show, show us that you belong. Yeah, show us you can – do something against Omar, the seven-footer, their other seven-footer. Show us Vlad, whatever, Vlad Golden. You know, he can be a dominant force out there against Power 5 schools. Show, show us this year. Yep. We want to see I that could. magic again. Yeah, couldn't have said it better. We want to see that magic. All right. We are. Hey, that's our show. That's our that's show, our show today, boys. So we'll be back. And when conference season kind of gets to, uh, we should be back around around the new year, uh, taking a break for now. And if you've been listening, thank you. It'll only get more heated up as we head down this road to March Madness. So let's get fired up. Conference fired is about up. to start after we take our lull, after we take our break. Everyone take a break, reset. We got a big four months ahead of us. Oh, yeah. These teams are going to come out after this break. Teams are going to be refreshed. Some teams we've been dogging on. Some teams we've been saying don't have it. They probably won't make the tournament. They're going to change their tune. They're going to come out. They're going to start playing a lot better against their conference. We're going to become impressed. And that's college basketball for you. True. Couldn't have said it better myself. All right, Spencer. Send us out of here. Hey, good morning, Europe. Good night, America. Good night, America. God bless. Merry Christmas, safe travels, and a happy new year. Let's uh, enjoy this break. Let's get a little figgity, or let's let's get our relaxation if we need it. But, you know, read some John Wayne quotes. Do some research on Roman history. Just follow your passion. Find what you love, and, and give gifts to others. Send out some minus 10 lines to people.
please. All right. Goodbye, guys. This has been the Box Out, boys. Till next time. Boom!